that type of wor- work um, and coming to receive services have received and dealt with a significant amount of pain in their life in a lot of different ways. Um, and then recently, I watched the Hulu show, Dope Sick. I'm not sure if you guys have seen it. Uh, it's not for everyone in this room, for sure, but it talks about the narcotics crisis and how it was perpetuated through drug companies. Um, and it's really a, a sad story of just how uh, people who were not able to help themselves and really had dealt with some deep and dark physical pain had been told uh, by their primary healthcare provider that this medicine was going to help them and ultimately heal them. And instead, they got addicted. And instead of it helping them, it actually ended up helping this one family who made a lot of money. And so pain, unfortunately, it sells. Right? But pain isn't just in Appalachia. It's also in other places, like my body. I turned 40 later this month. And as I find myself playing with students, uh, playing sports with students who are 22 years older than me, I I very acutely feel the pain uh, that happens whenever I think that I'm 25, but I'm not anymore. Um, Or when... As, as school comes together and students begin to sit with me and sit with my wife or hang out with our family, and they talk about all of the painful things that have happened in their lives or how difficult it is uh, to get through college. Um, or for many of them, it's the, it's the struggle that they have to financially afford what's happening and to balance family and work and school and all the other things that are going on. And so pain is something that we deal with. Uh, It's something that David had dealt with 3,000 years ago. It's something that we deal with now. And in some ways, there's a little bit of comfort in hearing the words that David's son Solomon said, that there's nothing new under the sun, that this isn't new, that this is something that has happened for a long time. But pain is also something that we would love to fix. Obviously, there, there are drug companies that try to show us this. We, we're told by going to kickboxing classes that we can get rid of some of our pain or that if we, if we just can hang out and watch Netflix, that there will be a numbing to our pain. But the truth is, is that pain doesn't go away, that we have to deal with the, the, just the physical feeling, but also the underlying issues of what pain represents. And so David is actually helping us to deal with our fractured relationships and the pain that is associated with it. And so three things of how we can deal with our pain. The first is that we can voice our pain. Second, we can plead to the judge. And then third, we can trust in God. Very simple. Pain Plead to the judge and trust in God. So the first, the first point I want us to think through is voicing our pain. I want, to see, I want you to see the beauty and wonder in verses 1 through 5 and how David approaches this difficult relationship that he's talking about. He has this awkward relationship with this guy, Cush, a Benjaminite. Um, and, he, and he cries out to the Lord, O Lord my God, in you do I take refuge. Save me 
from all my pursuers and deliver me. Lest like a lion, they tear my soul apart, rending it in pieces with none to deliver. David recognizes how it feels to have this pain and anxiety going on. And he is calling out to God for help and for refuge, for safety, for security. Then in verses three through five, David actually turns to himself. And he said, Lord, if any of this, I'm just going to summarize it. If any of this is because of what I've done, take me out. You can you have your way with me. He declares that his actions should actually be given the same consequences that he's desiring for someone else if he has undealt with sin. It's a very honest confession uh, to hear that this is David, who was the king over Israel, the head guy over this religious state, the one that is in some ways the closest to God because he is representative of God's people at this, ta- at this time, crying out, re- showing his deep and dark pain, and even saying, God, if it's because of me, take me out. Now, voicing pain is something that we hear a lot. I hear a lot as a campus minister, and we see all over social media. It's kind of, it's kind of a fun thing. It's kind of a cool thing to do right now. Um, but often it, um, it, it is very veneer. It's very much on the surface. It doesn't really get to the heart of what's going on. Um, my daughter and I are Swifties. I don't know if you know what that means, but it means that we like Taylor Swift. And in Taylor Swift's uh, 2017 album, Reputation, she gets a lot off of her chest of all the difficulties in her life. And one song in particular gets the heart of the issue She says, and I'm not going to sing it, just so you know. Here's a toast to my real friends. They don't care about the he said, she said. And here's to my baby. He ain't reading what they call me lately. And here's to my mama. Had to listen to all this drama. And here's to you, the person who hurt her. Because forgiveness is a nice thing to do. She goes, ha. I can't even say that with a straight face. This is why we can't have nice things. That is often what we think of when we think of voicing our pain to someone. Um, to, to show them how we feel, but also in, in many ways to not really mean it. To not really care about the other person. And David is getting, you, you, might, you might think of this as what David is doing. Is that he's just getting this stuff off his chest to make this person feel bad. But in fact, what he is doing is that he is giving it to God. And he, we're, we're going to get to this, but he's doing it with other people. He's doing it in the assembly of God's people. And so the challenge is that we can voice our pain when things are really difficult with other people. When we're estranged with people, when we're angry with them, we can actually voice our pain to a God who will listen to us and hear us. Eugene Peterson says that our modern world struggles with this because we want to try to create these veneers, these, these uh, politely constructed facades where no one thinks that anything is wrong with us, where we don't ever seem uneasy or angry or have any negative emotions. Peterson says this is a great example for us to see that we actually need to be honest with how we feel. 
and to give our pain over to God. This is actually incredibly encouraging for us that we can be honest with him. At the end of, at the end of verse 5, I, I want to turn your attention to it because it, it's, it, it's very encouraging for us as we do get the stuff off of our chest that David has this word, Selah, S-E-L-A-H. And what he's doing here is that it's, a, it's meant to give us a pause and a contemplation of what's happened. He's voiced his pain. He said all of these things. The musicians are to put down their instruments to ponder what the lyricist has said and to, to consider the pain that he has felt and maybe even what others are feeling. It gives us an opportunity to pause and think about our own pain and how we can voice that pain to God and a God who hears us. The second thing is that, so first we voice our pain, but then we also plead to the judge. It's not over when we, when we simply voice our pain. Again, that is our modern construction of going onto Facebook and talking about all the things that have, that have happened to us. But now we are actually voicing our pain and pleading to the judge. So David, after he pauses, he turns his focus to God and pleads to him. And David, I want you to hear this, is bold in his pleading to God. He uses this word, arise. In other words, God, get up and do something. He, he does this in a more polite way than I'm, than I'm saying it, but, he, but he's asking God to actually take care of the business that is going on, to plead for him to take care of what has happened and those who are against him. And then verse 7 is a really sneaky thing, but I want you to hear. He gives us context for actually what we're doing here right now. That for us, that he, he says, let the assembly of the peoples be gathered about you and over it return on high. In Luke's prayer, he talks about there are Christians all around the world who, who recite the Nicene Creed that we recited together. And together, there is, there is this pleading of God for his pain. And so he, he is giving us credence to gather together, to worship together but also for our pain together, or even one person's pain in an assembly to be lifted up to God as the judge who will take care of it. David and Christians believe that God's way is bigger and better than ours. Think of this. For 3,000 years, Christians and people that believe in God have been pleading to God have been saying these same words, have been crying out to God, knowing and believing that God is the one that will take care of the pain. Knowing and believing that God is the judge and that he will do something about this. There is an immense amount of weight to that in knowing that God is the one takes care of this. But now this, this doesn't mean that we are completely um, apart from this, and that we have no responsibility, that we're simply giving it to God, because in verses 12 through 16, he makes it abundantly clear, if a man does not repent, God will wet his sword. He has bent and readied his bow. He has prepared for him his deadly weapons, making his arrows fiery shafts. Behold, the wicked man conceives evil and is pregnant with mischief and gives birth to lies. He makes a pit, digging it out, and falls into the hole that he has made, his mischief returns upon his head and his own skull 
his violence descends. This is a warning that he gives us. That we mustn't just simply sin and continue sinning and act as though everything is just fine. God actually calls us to repentance. He calls us to turn away from our sin. Not simply to come to God and to just cry all, all these things and say, you take care of it, you take care of it, God. But to, but, but to turn from our sin. It's going to be imperfect. But it's the desire of, of God's heart for us to turn and then to turn away from sin and to turn to God, knowing that he is the one who is righteous above all things. Now, judges can be a really difficult picture for some of us. Uh, I'm not sure about you, but uh, I haven't always seen the best example of, of a judge, both in a, a black um, gown that sits, on, that, that sits uh, in a court, as well as others. Uh, you might be thinking of TV judges like the People's Court or Judge Judy, these dramatic and outlandish people, uh, or you might have seen judges that, that harmed or, or caused a consequence to someone that you really love that just seems incredibly unfair. Um, and some of the best judges uh, in our world are those who really understand the problems that are, are faced in the world. They understand that it is not easy to be a person living in a broken world. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen this person on social media or elsewhere, but Judge Caprio is this 86-year-old judge who still sits on a court in Providence, Rhode Island, which is his his hometown. He's clearly in the twilight of his career. Uh, But one of the things you notice about him right away when you watch his videos is that he has this beautiful way of wanting to hear from what what other people are saying, that he pays attention to them, and oftentimes, he's incredibly gracious and merciful. One video stands out. There is this 96-year-old man who uh, was caught speeding through a school zone. Uh, he appeared before Judge Caprio. Uh, he looked incredibly nervous. Uh, obviously, 96 years old. He's fairly frail. Um, and he, he appeared before him. And Judge Caprio said, just tell me why you sped through uh, the school zone. He said, I uh, had to take my son who's unable to drive because he needs cancer blood work to be done today. And the judge multiple times says, I'm incredibly impressed by you. He compliments him. He thanks him for being honest. Uh, and then he ends up dismissing the entire case. If you go and search, you'll find multiple stories like this of a a gracious judge hearing a plea. But often what happens is that there is this requirement almost of of the person admitting that they were wrong. And then the case is just dismissed. And friends, we all need a good judge. I hope that there's a good judge in San Antonio that does something like this. Uh, And this bleeds into what we talk about, what we're going to talk about next, but Um, judges, really, really good judges, actually provide us with safety and security that we need. They help us to be honest about the struggles and the pain of the world, to admit when we're wrong, uh, and to come to them asking for mercy. Uh, As God's people, and and I want to be very clear with this, 
we have to understand that we are not judges. That it is not our job to be the judge for other people. Oftentimes, that ha- that, that's the case that many Christians have gotten this idea that we are the ones to judge the world. That we are the ones to judge people who aren't Christians or who are far away from God. But as is seen in this psalm, we need to give that to God who is ultimately the judge. We need to allow him to be the good and gracious judge. So that is the, the giving to the judge part. The last, the bookends, I think probably the most encouraging part of the psalm is found in uh, verses 1 and 17 that God is the one who we can trust in. Trust in God. Again, a very simple thing. O Lord my God, he says in verse 1, in you do I take refuge. Save me from all my pursuers and deliver me. And then at the end, I will give to the Lord the thanks due to his righteousness. And I will sing praise to his name of the Lord, the Most High. I can't help but think of uh, the, the hymn that many of us know, On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. It is on Jesus and Christ alone that we can have solid ground. For everything else does not have the kind of ground that we need. The person that Christians go to is the Lord, not just to seek judgment, but to have trust in him, to have refuge in him. And this isn't simply just a warm and fuzzy feeling that God is there, that he's going to make me feel good, but that God actually longs for us to find our security in him. Knowing the person and work of Jesus even hits home harder. We hear this, save me from all my pursuers and deliver me. In Christ, we can experience the saving from our enemies, both outside the people who can harm us, as well as inside of us. The sin that can, it, that can so often mess us up. In our inner lives, we desperately need Christ to take over, to take control. We don't simply need to run to things that we think will give us some kind of like temporary good feeling, right? We don't need to find the right kind of policy or philosophy. We need to trust in the strong and solid work, the rock of Christ. And this is insanely difficult. I'm sure there's many of you here today that are dealing with a lot of pain, emotional pain, physical pain. And, and you might be thinking, how, how can you say all these things? Standing up there, it seems like you're in fine health. Um, what is, what, what, what's, like, why? Why can you say these things? And I know that it is very, very difficult to trust in God for everything. But when we begin to, to look to Jesus and his word, rather than our own knowledge or our own way of doing things, we begin to trust in him more. We even voice our pain and do it together and invite others into it. Rather uh, to God who loves us and longs to be near to us rather than just the social media void or to people who we know don't really uh, care. So as we, as we uh, conclude, one of the challenges here, I, I, I wish I could just say that once you believe in God, once you trust in him, once you cry out to him, that your pain's going to be gone. 
but I would be lying to you. And that would be really mean. There is no relief from pain in this world. This was written a long time ago. We've gotten really sophisticated in the ways that we can have pain. But rather, there is an understanding that God walks with us in our pain. God, being rich in mercy and in tenderness, longs to be near the pained and the sorrowful. If you struggle this week, consider placing your trust on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. The one who actually knows our pain in deep ways, emotionally, and especially physically. The one who cried out on the cross as he is being crucified, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These were deep and hard words that, God is, or that Jesus cries out to the Father. How can you do this? And then he often pleads to the judge, and he does so on the cross. He says, they know not what they do. Have mercy on them. And he trusts in the resurrection of the body, as we do, and the life everlasting. So we are looking at a more honest life lived under the God of the universe. And I'm suggesting a world where God actually wants to hear our honest accounting of what's going on and longs to be near to us, longs for us to be, uh, to, to actually be face-to-face with him, but longs for us to trust in him as something better for us in spite of all the difficulties going on. Let me pray for us this morning.